Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, this is Susan Shereko. Welcome. Skip Flanagan is here to share his observations that America is broken right now. His book, Your Only Choice is to Become Rich, is made up of these observations. It's his feeling that even though he was once on probation, he fixed his mistakes. By sharing his life's experiences, he wants to give hope to trust in God and take the slow road. You can still win. I think you'll enjoy his point of view, so please wave your hands to welcome Skip Flanagan. Hello, Skip. Welcome. Hey, Susan. How are you? <laughs> Very good, thank you. It is a gorgeous day today for right. for the first day of March. <laughs> right, right. It is beautiful here in Houston. That's great. I have my I have family in Houston. Oh, you do. I do, I do. I don't okay, ever see them. Good. They're they're so far away, but I do have family there. They got to be good people. Houston is a good city. Houston is a good city. I agree. I I haven't been there very many times in my life. I think I was there when I was eight or nine years old. My dad took me down there to see his family, and I fell in love with horseback riding and all that kind right, of stuff. Right. It was cool. It was great. It's, it's a beautiful city. It's a, yeah. a good city for entrepreneurs. And stuff like that. So, but uh, where you at is beautiful as well. So, but Houston is, uh, if you just like, want to get it, you know, want to be a business person and do something from scratch, Houston is a place to be. Very cool. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction, you had a very positive attitude as you were growing up. Right. You right. did. Right. I did. I mean, you know, uh, when you, the era that I grew up in, you know, it was, uh, we, we, we had a lot of role models, you know, uh, uh, we, television allowed us to see some great men. And that's, that was a time where there were great men, you know, unlike today, I like to say, because, uh, you know, they had standards, you know what I'm saying? And you couldn't get on TV unless you were someone special. And, uh, that's that's how we grew up, you know. So when you were in school, you had dreams of being someone positive, somebody that uh, was upstanding, and you look forward to your day to do what you're doing right now is to be interviewed and to be relevant. So, you know, I always had that, that dream and that, that fire to be someone special in a positive way. So that's what keeps me pushing, and that's what allowed me to be here right now. Well, you your book is, is really your story uh, explaining your point of view and how you came to where you were. And it wasn't always picture perfect. Oh, um, no. What happened in your life? You know, uh, it's just like, like anything, you know, it's just like a lot of kids that, 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 are, that are out here today. Uh, when I was in school, I had these big dreams of being a star athlete, uh, you know, being someone great, but I didn't know how to go about doing that. You know, I, I thought I did, but when you get out of high school, you know, you go through, uh, a, a, what what can I say, uh, a realization that life is not as easy as you thought it was going to be. So you, you start experimenting, <laughs> you know, you start trying mm-hmm. stuff. 
and culture starts to raise you as well, you know. So you, you go from having purpose to just doing stuff for money, and that's what I did. And, and I got kind of upset, you know, after my hoop dreams and stuff like that. You know, I, I got real upset. I started selling drugs, and uh, I got on probation, you know, but I actually was uh, doing drugs, was smoking weed and stuff like that. And when I got on probation uh, after selling drugs, which that that became a culture thing back in the 90s, you know, everybody was selling drugs. So, you know, I knew in my heart that it wasn't wasn't right, and I tell everybody that, you know, I knew every day that I was selling drugs that I was doing something wrong. I don't, I don't you know, talk about it a lot because I don't like glorifying it because of what I've been able to accomplish legally. I don't want people to think that they have to go and sell drugs to have a testimony. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough period in my life, but it also helped me. I tell people a lot of times probation helped me. It didn't hurt me because it made it where I could tell my friends, Hey man, uh, I can't smoke weed no more because I'm on probation. And so I don't smoke weed no more. But at the same time, it was a struggle because while I was on probation, I couldn't vote. Uh, I couldn't get an apartment. I couldn't do a lot of things that a lot of people do, get the good jobs, like at the post office and stuff like that. So, you know, life was a challenge, you know, from that point for those 10 years because I had to think, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you got mm-hmm. these, mm-hmm. you have these, you have these entertainment dreams. <laughs> you want to be a million dollar entertainer, but you have to finance those. So, how are you going to finance something like that? So, you know, I knew that entrepreneurship didn't have a salary cap, and I knew that, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, you didn't have to ask nobody, or, or you know, you didn't have to pass, the, you know, a background check to become an entrepreneur. So, I decided to start my own business, and I started my own business, and I did well. Well then, but you also along that path discovered a different obstacle, and that involved your faith. Right, right, and that and that and that complicates things even today. You know, when you tell people that you're a Christian, you know that those challenges to Christianity came up between the nineties and the early two thousands when the atheists came and you know protested that the Ten Commandments were at the courthouse. So, you know, instead of having people in place that were faith-based that would fight that one person, they allowed allowed her to, you know, have the Ten Commandments taken out of the courthouse and also out of government. But, you know, I'm a big advocate of Christianity. So to me, you know, I was like, what is going on? You know, this is what saved me. And I tell a lot of guys, you know, you know, because I have some friends that, man, you know, you, that Christianity stuff, you know, and all that. I say, well, where's your person? You know, I say, well, I, I, have a te- I have a testimony. You know what I'm saying? I say, when I was going through it, you know, I prayed to Jesus. I prayed to God. And I said, hey, God, change the hearts of my enemy. You know, and every time I said, cover me with the blood of Jesus. And every time that I did that, you know, I got out of that situation. So you don't go back to. Uh, that situation and say, no, I did it. You know, I know exactly how I got out of that situation. So me being a faith-based person, I know the power of God, and I know the power of prayer, and I know the power of Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's been my way of getting to this point even today. So when I looked at how society was going and how they were trying to get people away from, you know, giving God that credit and giving themselves that credit, I saw the moral decline. I saw how America was on a free fall. 
So, you know, as I as I kept going, as I wanted to be in the entertainment business, you know, it became complicated because I saw that the entertainment business wasn't, wasn't financing uh, Christianity and stuff like that. And even today, it, it, it's still a challenge, you know what I'm saying? But I'm I'm the type of person, I'm going to stick with what I know is right and what I, you know, my research has shown me that, you know, over the years that the only thing that lasts is those things that you do for God. Well, you tell a fun a, a story because you 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 know in terms of doing entertainment, you've gone so far as to actually go to a Hollywood pitch fest, and right. that didn't go so well. <laughs> what you know, did they it, do? You know, I tell a lot of people. You know, and I was telling the guy the other day. You know, I'm sending a guy. I was telling him. I said, you know what? Those bad experiences in your life, those are good experiences because you know that's part of your testimony. That's part of your book. You know that you're right. I was. He was a young guy. <laughs> yeah, he's act, he's actually working with me today. You know what I'm saying? He uh, and I told him I said, you know, your generation. You know, I'm an author. I got a I got a book. You know, and it got 167 pages in it. I say, but with your generation, you, if you wrote a book right now, you have the front cover, the back cover, and then you have an obituary on that side. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know. That experience was a, it was a, it was it was you know I needed that experience to show me how they operate in Hollywood, and I I, I got the opportunity to meet Robert Kosberg, a lot of people at Disney and stuff like that. And when I got ready to do my pitch, it, it, it kind of shocked me because I was in a a real nice room. It was a big room. I've never been to Hollywood before, and I was there, and I was on Avenue of the Stars in this real nice room. And, you know, I saw the room had a safe in it. You know, the restroom was almost bigger than the room, you know. And so they gave me an option. They said, Robert Kosberg said, he said, uh, you know, they're only taking, they're only offering $250,000, but they want, want you to write a movie, a slave movie or a man in a dress. And I was like, I went to my room and I called my friend who played basketball at Oregon. He, he was from California. I was like, man, they asked me to write a movie with a, a man in a dress or a slave movie. I said, I don't write those kind. He's like, what you going to do? What you going to do? I said, I can't write those kind. I said, I want to write the type of movies that inspire people. You know what I'm saying? I want to, you know, be able to say stuff about God. So, you know, I wrestled with it that whole night. You know, I, mm. said, I thought about it. I thought about it. And then uh, we were in the hallway, and this lady was like, because we had to do a, a pre-pitch before we do the original pitch. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Skip, that's a great, that was, that's a great book. It was the I Dream the Legend of Young Charles Courage book. And uh, she said, uh, man, I hope Hollywood is ready for, for this. I hope they change and accept your book. And, you know, I said, I too. So that, I ended up signing a couple of autographs. That's how impressed they were with my pitch. But the next day, you know, I went ahead and pitched uh, my book. And then, you know, we, on the way home, you know, I thought I had did well. Even though I didn't, you know, write the one that, that they wanted, I thought I had did well. So, on the way back, I was riding with uh, I was originally I was in third class, but on the way back, I was in first class. So I was riding back with uh, George Bush, a guy in George Bush's cabinet. He was asking me, he was like, "What are you here for?" I said, "I was here for the pitch face." He said, "That's great, that's great." So he kept asking me questions, and uh, he he kept asking me, "Did I like Barack Obama?" I told him, "No, I don't." <laughs> and it was like it was like he was shocked. He was shocked. It was like he was like, "Are you sure?" I said, "Yeah, I'm sure." I said, "I don't like him." I said, "I'm a Christian, and a lot of things that he's doing, I say I don't I don't like." 
so, you know, he was like, he just kept asking me about it, and I just told him I don't like him, you know what I'm saying, which I was truthful with him because mm-hmm. of who I am and how I was raised. And when I see a person doing stuff that I know that's not Christian-like, you know, I have to acknowledge that and accept it for what it is and move past it. So when I got home, I checked the email, and, of course, you know, I didn't get chose, mm-hmm. you know, for the thing, right. but I learned it was a valuable lesson. But after that, that's when I saw all the movies coming out, the Django, the Help. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, so, those those, yes. those are tough movies. I mean, that's right. a, there are right. people who are are doing good Christian films. You know, I have um, Kevin Sorbo is one of them, and there's a whole company that does nothing but Christian movies, and there's a right. Christian Filmmakers Association, and they are getting really good you know, box office. So there is a place for it, but not Hollywood. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, you know, I learned, you know, that's why I learned a lot. You know what I'm saying? It, that experience right there just really let me know, and I saw how everything worked, and I was like, wow. You know, it was a, it was a culture shock for me, but, you know, I actually stopped writing for a long time after that because really? I, I was so upset. You know, I was like, man, you know, and, and, and you know, you, you go eight years of your life where you and then found out that Barack had paid Disney to promote uh, some stuff that, you know, unchristian stuff. So I was like, man, here we go. Eight years. That's a long period in someone's life. You know, that, that could have been the whole, my whole book career, yeah. you know. So yeah. entertainment career, you know, waiting on, you know, something to change, waiting on a new president coming off office. So. It was hard, you know. I, I stopped. I stopped writing, and then uh, when Trump got in, that's when I actually started getting calls saying that it's time to go. You know, it's time, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he he's a faith based president, so it's time to publish the book. You know, that's so, right. That's right. So that's and I'm I, glad you did because I think it's really an important yeah. message that you're trying to get through. I mean, you started with a, a dream. You continue to hold your dream. And then right. you are one of the, you're the kind of person that takes steps to move in that direction. Um, I appreciate what, that. Yeah. I mean, one of the observations you shared with me is it's a fairly common experience for many people, but that statement of you need a job to get the job. <laughs> so right, right, what was your right. experience of that? See, my whole thing and my observation, you know, even being a business owner, is that a lot of people have gotten away from enjoying the job and entry-level jobs. You know, I worked at McDonald's. I worked security jobs. I worked at grocery stores when I was coming up, you know. And when I went to apply for a job, I always was dressed real clean, no matter what the job was. I was, We could always go from one job to another and get another job. But I wasn't upset with the job because – it was an entry-level job because I knew that's what I learned, a lot of things I learned, you know, to have my my own business now. And that's why I say you have to have a job to get the job, but the job of finance, the dream, but God rewards you with destiny. And everybody has a dream job, you know, a career job, rather, that they want. That's why they go to college and stuff like that. But we've gotten to a point where we want the entry-level job to be the career job, the McDonald's job to be a job that pays a hundred thousand with that's that's not what that's designed to do. And it's just like I don't feel like everybody deserves a house. You know, back when mm-hmm. I was growing up, you know, people that went to the army uh had houses, got houses for a dollar down because of their sacrifices. Uh people that worked two jobs and got married, uh, had, you know, bought houses and stuff after they saved money. 
you know, you had families that one person went to the college, then maybe the other person went to college. So how homes were for people that were successful, you know, and, and yes. we had we had a bar, we had a process of, of of establishing success, not giving it away, you know, and I think right. America America has gotten to a point where it rewards, you know, failure, you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's nothing wrong with working an entry level job until you, if, if that entry level job can pay for you to go to college and, and get a better education where you can get that career job. But I just don't believe that, you know, every job should should pay you a hundred thousand dollars. I don't believe that. So. Uh, you know, so, you have, well, you're, uh, that's a really strong, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think what, what you said to me when we first spoke was that when people do the work, those, those entry-level jobs, when they take those steps, God has a way of handing you something out of the blue. Right. And definitely. when, you know, when I, yeah, when I coach somebody, one of the questions that comes up is, what's one thing you could do right now that will start you moving in the direction of your dreams and if you take that step things do come out of the blue i want to know what came out of the blue for you well when i was working you know and i'm still working today you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and you know i wanted to do entertainment and just like i was telling you about when i went to california you know i've always wanted to be a great entertainer you know that was my dream to be a big rapper be a big entertainer but when i came back home and started, you know, pushing my business, my business ended up being phenomenal, you know, and now I'm, I'm running a, a multi-million dollar business, you know, so it was like, man, I never thought I loved cutting grass and, and doing fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, look, I never thought that the grass company could pay for the mansion. So I started enjoying what I was doing, my job, my career, you know, I thought it was going to be something else, but God turned me all the way around to it being this company. But now we're at another level. I thought it was the grass, but now we're going into books and we're going into entertainment again, you know, something that I thought was never going to be there. So we're still not finished. You know, it's just like yeah. you asked me about that book. You know, that's just my first book. You know, this is my book to show people that I can write. This is my first book to get into the business. So, I don't know what's what's next, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I know that I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying the fact that you, Susan Draco, call me. You know, that's that's special to me, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, these are steps that are in process right now. We're we making moves right now. I got to go to Alaska on April 22nd. A, a guy called me last week and read my book and was like, man, he called me directly on my phone. He had got my number. And he was like, did you write that book? You know I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm a librarian in Seattle. I want 10 books to put in our sto- uh, libraries in Louisiana. I want you to come to Alaska to a, a book festival and speak to all the kids. I said, great, I'll be there. You know, so everything is going right now. You know, yes. my my yes. book is in the New York Times. You know, so, you know, everything is, is going. It's, 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 it's in process. So I'm not done yet. You know what I'm saying? It's just this is. This is beautiful territory that I'm here. It is, it is, and it is a wonderful, I mean, it feels so good when that is moving in the right direction. But along the way, you came to some pretty powerful opinions about what's working and what isn't working in America and what we can do about it. Right, right, right. You know, right now, you know, you have to have something to reference. I tell people you have to 
have something to reference before you can say this is a problem. So when, when I was growing up, everybody had dreams, but those dreams were coming true. You know what I'm saying? You had athletic dreams. You had entertainment dreams. You had business dreams. All those dreams were coming true. So when you get to a point right now where you saw what people can go and pump their gas in and pay, you know what I'm saying? Everybody wasn't thinking about money. You had that one pump that, you know, was full service where it checked all the people and all the stuff like that. You know, so to go from that to go to now, you know, everything is based on money. You, you, the old folks just have to figure out a way to get things done. You know, we have to go back to serving the people instead of serving ourselves. Everything that I see in America right now is based on that guy that's under the bridge. Mm, <laughs> you know yeah. Yes. All the aid, you know, everybody, we need to pass a bill to, to help the guy that's under the bridge. We need to pass a bill to help the criminal, criminal that shot up everybody to make it safer where he can be in prison, you know, and stuff like that. So Or not in prison, as the case may be. Right, right. Yeah. So my, yeah. my thing is I, I believe that only uh, the only people that should receive child support is people that have been married. You know, if you've been married and, you know, been in a structured relationship – then you can, you know, ask for child support. If you just, you know, randomly having sex, you know, and just spontaneously having kids, I don't believe that should be rewarded, you know. So uh, same thing like with business. You know, I believe that a lot of people don't understand that minimum wage, you know, we can't jack minimum wage up to $20 an hour because that smothers the small businessman, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I have some things that I offer in the way of business, big businesses and small businesses cooperating with each other with those businesses that have like services that each one offers to help empower their small business and also help their big business. So it's a lot of things that I see, but I also want to uh, make the United States a Christian nation, you know, which I think would be tough, but that's my opinion. You know, I think a lot of other countries acknowledge that they're Muslim countries and stuff like that, but we have to, first of all, acknowledge that we're a Christian nation and all the laws that we apply have to be based on those Christian teachings. So, you know, like I said, I know it would be hard, but we have to have a foundation, a moral foundation of establishing law and rule and order in America for it to change. Well, what would help? Yeah, we have to have leaders. We don't have leaders right now, and everything is so divided and segregated, you know. And, you know, when people get in groups, that's when they they speak, they speak, they speak uh, a different tone, you know what I'm saying? They speak, a, you know, if I if I was here right now and I had like six black guys, you know, that would be a whole different conversation because they'll be taking me, trying to take me in a whole, you know, different direction versus me being the individual that, I'm, that I am and seeing things that are truly on my heart. And I think that that's the case for most people. You know, this country has gotten to a point where everybody's on some extremism. You know, that extremism doesn't usually show on TV, but under the surface, you know, it, it shows the Hispanics are trying to do big things for the Hispanics, you know, it's on and on. So we have to get back to the point where we focus on America and Americans, you know what I'm saying? Just like mm -hmm. in Britain. Mm -hmm. In Britain, they say, be British. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? So, right. so in America, we have to say, be American, and we have to understand what American is. You know, if you're an American and you have a, uh, a Fortune 500 business, you can't go hire all black people. If you're the manager, you can't. If you're white, you can't go hire all white people. If you're Mexican, you can't hire all Mexicans. 
you got to have, make it diverse because you have the ability to make that situation a diverse uh, situation where it reflects America. So we have to have people that push American values and push America, not people that come over here and fly the Jamaican flag or the Mexican flag. We have to have people that put America first, and that's the that's a start. <laughs> That that would be a good start. I agree. <laughs> and good politicians who actually, you know, stand for something positive would be wonderful. Oh uh, yeah, we don't have those right now. No. What are the <laughs> what are the basic things that you think could turn the country around? Well, you know, it's it's gonna take people like you. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna take uh those new politicians, but that seed has to be planted, you know, by media. You know, we have to have media outlets because a lot of things that happen uh, in life is directly resulting of, of the media. You know, we don't have a, a system of rewarding great people, good people. You know, you just mm-hmm. seen Chris Como and them and all those great leaders from my generation be towed down. You know what I'm saying? We had Ted Koppel, David Brinkley, uh, you know, uh, Barbara Walters. We had some great people that, what we could look at and say they were role models that we looked at on TV today, Ted Kennedy, you know, Colin Powell. We had people, you had six or seven people that you knew were good people that you could just look at and say, hey, I want to be like those people. So we have to start rewarding good behavior, first of all. You know, we have to have the, the music industry doesn't even re- reward good behavior anymore. Television doesn't reward good behavior anymore. We don't have good shows on TV anymore. You, you mm-hmm. see power and all those other shows, but we have to have uh, a country, a leader that are conscious of what is necessary to move forward. You know, and it's just like I was at a meeting last night, and a guy was telling me how his, he's a radiologist and how his son created some stuff, and I was like, that's in his DNA, you know, and he was mm-hmm. proud of it, and he was proud of his son and stuff like that, but we have to acknowledge those kids. We have to let those kids know that this is this is what we're looking for. We're not looking for the gangster. We're looking for that kid that can contribute to the greatness of America and to God's will to have peace on earth. And we have to acknowledge God first. You know, if we don't acknowledge God, it, it's not going. None of this is going to work because we live in a dual existence, and that dual existence is based on the speculative and the opportunity, on the in, internal and the external. So. If we if we don't do that and we we don't start doing that, it won't happen. But like I say, this is a, a step. You know, maybe you may not think so, but this is a beautiful step right here. And this is what we have to keep doing. We have to keep having an outlet for people that are promoting American values and God. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you say it. You said it originally to me <clears throat> that uh, the church, <clears throat> family. And dads, we need to elevate dad back up to the leader role. Right, right. Dad, dad is dad has been kicked out the house. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, dad has been replaced with money. You know, and that that is the main thing. We have to reward family. You know what I'm saying? And have the the family to understand that first is church, then is family. You know what I'm saying? God gives the instructions to family, and the man is the head of the household. So if dad goes to work all day, then yes, daddy's first. You know what I'm saying? But mom gives the kids the instruction that dad, you know, he, she tells dad what happened that day, but dad gives an instruction. Hey, this is what I want to have while I'm gone. But we don't even have housewives no more. 
You know, we have independent okay. women, mm-hmm. but we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have housewives. So we can't just keep chasing money, chasing money, chasing money to the point where we're not being families. We're, we're not walking the kids to school. We're not sitting with the kids and, you know, combing the kids' hair and finding out how, how was their day in school. You know, we have to at some point devalue money. You know what I'm saying? Say, mm-hmm. hey, this richness that I'm talking about, we're not just talking about it externally. We're talking about an internal richness as well, a richness and a oneness with God. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it's all going to be rooted in God. When you look at it, those good things and those things that have lasted and those things that we remember over all the years, over thousands and thousands of years, you know, nobody remembers Jesus in the Mercedes Benz. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> no, the back of a donkey would be more yeah, appropriate. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when you look at the greatest man that everybody remembers, you can't associate him with, 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 with no material thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it, you can't associate him with nothing, you know. So we have to, uh, we have to understand that everything is not uh, material, and we have to be able to project. You know, how how will God feel about me 1,000 years from now, my contribution to this, this to this earth? Would he be pleased with my contribution? So we used to think about heaven and hell when we was growing up. You know, we thought about mm-hmm. our, our existence after this one, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think people think like that no more because they've been challenged so much by the atheists and everybody else. So, you know, we have to go back to being spiritual people first. First. Well, second. Another thing you mentioned to me is we need to deal with the the careers and what do we need to do to make our kids successful these days. Right, right. We have to make them enjoy being kids, you know, from 1 to 12, first grade to 12th grade. Then we have to tell them that college is essential as well. And we have to also explain to them, even though they may have thought about being an astronaut, they might end up just being a scientist. So they have to understand that failure is also a part of this process, you know what I'm saying, and that even though that that one thing that you thought you were going to be, that might not happen that way. Destiny is something that you cannot ascertain. Destiny is something that God rewards you with, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, <laughs> after, mm-hmm. after, after he's tested you and seen that you've been faithful and, you know, you didn't do some of them bad things, so eventually destiny will come, but it's not going to be on your time. It's going to be on God's time. So, you know, we have to let people know what those careers are. You know, just like I was talking to an older guy, and he said, you know, when he was growing up, they used to tell him, you know, y'all better learn how to do something. Y'all digging these ditches right now, you know. He said they got these tractors coming. <laughs> <laughs> that job's going away. <laughs> yeah. When I was in school, they said you better learn something because they got these computers coming. So we have to ask ourselves what's next, you know yes. what I'm saying? And, and mm-hmm. actually what's next is, Everything is going back to service. You know, everybody, everything is going back to what you can do with your hands. You know, how can you, what can you do at home versus letting everybody else do it? We have to have workers and not just chiefs. We have to go back to being Indians. And, and, and if we become a chief, that's cool. If not, we have to be satisfied with being an Indian. And you, let your th- you touched on this just a minute ago, but the third point you said to me is we have to regain the right perspective about money. It isn't all about money, but we're competing with a society that does make money everything. 
Right, right, right. Everything is money. Even I was telling the guy this year, you know, I, I don't think I'm as pretty as I am without money to some people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, everybody wants money, you know, and that's why they don't stop working because I don't want to be in that situation where I have to ask somebody for money because when you when you take away family, and, you know, family is designed for you know, you go from being a kid that that need a person helping you to change your diaper to a grown person that needs help changing his diaper. You know what I'm saying? So, sure. you know, we have to be okay with. If my mom has a nervous breakdown or, or goes to a situation where I need her, not one day, not two days, but a few years, I have to be prepared to be there for her as a family member. You know, so we have to value family more and not just chase the money. I love I love the the thought that I, I can be even richer. You know, I love that. But at the same time, I don't lose my perspective of life and purpose. You know, I don't I don't lose the, the fact that I still have to be respectful. I don't lose the fact that if somebody needs me I have to be there. I don't lose the fact that if I see somebody on the side of the road with, with their top on flat I I need to help them. You know, so it's it's a dual experience, you know what I'm saying? It's both, mm-hmm. you know. You, you want to be successful. You want to be, you know, that that's the American dream. That's that's the pinnacle of the American dream that you could work and, you know, it wasn't a salary cap like in most countries. They wasn't trying to stop you from being a millionaire if you were capable of being one. So, you know, we have to enjoy the journey, you know what I'm saying? We have to enjoy what we do and keep it real simple and not just make it all about money, but make it sometimes about money, but not all the time. So, Well, you certainly have a good, solid foundation in your perspective on life. Um, I, I think I imagine that, that this book will, you know, if, if you can get it out there, um, right. that it will be, a, you know, a, a real value to people. So thank you for sharing your thoughts about how we can turn the country around, Skip, but where can people find your book? Uh, they can find. I, I, actually, uh, they can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. We're actually doing a republication, so if they want to wait about a month, it'll be available. You know, again. But I'm actually going to have some some uh, a documentary uh, that I'm doing on the book as well. But it's available. They can get the book that's out there now. But we're actually doing a republication of it, and it's going to be real good. You know, mm-hmm. what we're doing right now because we're adding some new information in there. Some okay. up- updated information is it's going to be real nice. Oh, uh, that's I'm lovely. Back. Are you yeah. doing a trailer or a full-on documentary? Yeah, I'm I'm filming it myself, you know, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of putting some some ideas and I'm taking some chapters and some things that uh that uh you know I think that are important and just kind of doing like a little small trailer, mm-hmm. you know, just to, just to be visual with people. That's my right, thing right. this year. I want to be more visual with people with it, you know, and, and I'm not just looking at the book for sales. Like you say, you know, I just want it to be out there. You know, I think it's a timeless book and, but I want to be able to have that book with me. I, I look forward to getting out and doing speaking engagements and stuff like that. So right. oh, uh, good. that book is just going to be something that they can reference me from. So, you know, so, so, where do you have a website at this point? Do you have no, we, we, everything is uh, in the embryonic stage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and and I'm looking forward to to getting everything out there. So you know, I just it, everything is just going. It's going fast, but it's going. You know, and as well, soon I, as it as soon as it everything does, you know, 
it's solidified. Not that I would definitely let you know. I, I apologize to your readers, I mean your listeners right now because <laughs> – I don't have it ready, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to be on. No, on it's show. okay. I'll tell you, I'm listening to you going. You you said this if you have a political career ahead of you. You have you have got the the message down, and you are positive and upbeat and looking to make better things happen. So uh, you know, it's and I'm glad you're looking into speaking other places. But oh, yeah, you know, I look forward to it. I look I forward think to you, it. You you're good at it, and I think they they will get a lot out of what you have to say. So. I, I love it. I love it. I love talking to you. I appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Okay. So thank you for being on the program today, Skip. And uh, let's thank our soon. listeners as well. As a I reminder, you know, we've been speaking with Skip Flanagan. That's you, Skip. About his book, Your Only Choice is to Become Rich, which is available. Uh, it's available now, but it's going to be issued in a reprint within a month or so. So we're talking about Amazon and Barnes and Noble. He's got a trailer he's putting out and he's going to be talking. So uh, keep watching for that name, Skip Flanagan, and he will yes, definitely yes. be making a, a difference in the world. So thank you again for sharing your book, Skip. Thank you, Susan. Okay. Well, that does it for us, folks. Bye for now and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.